Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing... The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. Um, We've got the same edition there. It was uh, from 18, 1989, isn't it, the original one? Yeah, this is the I 15th believe. anniversary edition. Yeah, nice. I think there's a few others. <laughs> <isn't there? laughs> a, I think the 30th's just come out. Yeah, nice. I'm really curious, like, what's changed in there? But, I mean, anyway. A nice new I've, forward by a son or something, I expect. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that would be really cheesy. Um, but there's, um, I'm definitely, at reading this book, I definitely can see how, like he's influenced a lot of other people, like a lot of other, um, mm. you know, writers and that I read, you know, I certainly think he's affected like uh, Tony Robbins has integrated some of his stuff. Um, reading some like Jay Shetty's book at the moment, like linked to that. I know um, mm. Scott, Scott Peck had a few nice words to say at the beginning in the, uh, um, you know, the compliments towards the books. So I feel oh, yeah. it, it feels to me like a bit of a, um, like a foundation book for, kind of other books to kind of expand on different areas. Mm. Like each cha- each chapter has probably been turned into a book written by somebody else down the track, <laughs> intentionally or not, but that's kind of how I interpret it. Like I'm looking at the books in front of mm. me now and there's cer- certainly a few that I think um, kind of uh, this is the basis for them. Well, that's yeah, just how I, I, I think, interpret it anyway. I think you're yeah. probably right. That, yeah, since then, since 1989 and this book that sold millions, people have been inspired by it, by it and got off on different tangents and angles with it but also as he points out in the beginning of the book like he basically wrote this from reading other books he said he read like the 200 years of success literature whatever that means but like autobiographies and you know i I imagine things like how to win friends and influence people the the older self-help books and um he's pulled together principles from those so Everyone's stealing everyone's ideas and it's all fine. I think so. I, 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 like, a, <laughs> I, I like a book that kind of uh, evolves and changes as it goes through it rather than just kind of like one idea that takes you 250 pages to read. Like this one, uh, uh, yeah. very much like each each habit is very much its its own thing, but also builds on the last one and leads into the next one. So it's kind of coherent, but also you could read one chapter on its own and it would provide some utility. I really like that point. Yeah, because yeah. you, you get some bo- some books that make one point, as you say, for 250 pages. And then you might, you get books that make good separate points, perhaps maybe like um, 12 Rules, Jordan Peterson. But then this this has the best of both worlds. Where it makes very distinct points and each chapter is a thing on its own, but it builds on top of the previous one. So yeah. you feel like you're, yeah. you're building the structure on top, which is nice. I think... Um... You know, just from the outset, say like a, a part of this book is that, you know, it talks about um, working on yourself in terms of, you know, private victories, you know, what's going on kind of internally for you and how to you know create wins for yourself, but then builds on to, you know, more, more public victories, which is more around, you know, how you engage with other people, mm. how you, um, you know, how you create things with other people and also just general, you know, communication, relationships, um, you know, creating mutually beneficial situations Mm -hmm. um and also i guess really the importance of kind of having a solid foundation Mm. before kind of entering into those more um 
social scenarios and he's really talking about like an inside out approach which is more related to the concepts he's talking about around um you know personality ethic versus character ethics so he's saying you know really work on your your character first um you know personality traits aren't going to be the thing that gives you kind of like longevity Mm. and kind of bring you long-term success and once Mm -hmm. you've worked on your character and you've built that secure base then you can kind of take that out into the world so I'm wondering whether you might be able to kind of expand on the, the those two, those two points. I, I yeah, read yeah. your read some of your notes before this, and I thought they were quite interesting. Good. Yeah. So he, let's see what it, what is the book? <laughs> it's a book about yeah. how to live effectively, powerful lessons and personal change. So he's saying that he read in his, um, I guess, career in management and leadership, read lots of books about how to be successful. And found that in the in the last two hundred years of these types of books, for the first hundred and fifty of those years, lots of those books focused on your character, as you point out, like really the the values and principles that really underpin who you are, and that then you know your kind of thoughts and behaviors and relationships evolve from that base, mm. whereas the latest fifty years leading up to this book he said were more um like superficial so more based on like um techniques almost styles of manipulation how to get what you want how um how to perhaps you know smile at yourself in the mirror to build your self-esteem that kind of like surface level stuff to change perhaps how you come across and get some quick wins and uh, what did he call it band-aids and aspirin type self-help approaches but they don't really look at changing your fundamental worldview and the um, the virtues and values that underpin everything else. Um, mm. So I think he he focuses much more on that character side of things, like you say, but then perhaps just uh, sprinkles it with a bit of techniques here and there as well. I think yeah, what what he refers to as a habit is you know he says that intersection of knowledge, skill. And desire, so it's kind of it's not um, a habit. It's not something you can you can fake. It's something you've kind of got to consciously integrate into your life and build upon. You know, correct. Um, you know what he refers to as you know paradigms, like men- mental maps of the world, and like by by changing those, we we change the the character of our habits, and they're far more effective mm-hmm. if they're based on you know um, paradigms that are in line mm-hmm. with. Uh, but proper principles, you know, principles mm. of, you know, I- integrity, truth, effectiveness, um, mm. honesty, courage, those sorts of things. So I suppose to summarise that, he, he's saying that in order to be effective, we need mm. to have habits, but we can't rely entirely on the behavioural aspect of the habit. Our habits need to be based on, you know, on, on reality yeah, as well as, um, you know, men- principle-centred maps of the world yeah yeah so our like core values um and this is maybe this is a good place to talk about principles and values so he's like yeah your character is built on your values um but effective values are built on principles (laughs) and so Mm. what's the difference well the difference is you can have values about anything he said a gang of thieves can share values Mm. values don't have to aren't necessarily positive but what he's calling principles, it really reminded me of um, 
Marcus Aurelius. It's like the almost like your principles are based on reality that on what works and what's true. And the logos. The, yeah. the logos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, there's like laws of physics. There's there's like laws of um, being relating that kind of work. Um, <clears throat> so things that we might disagree about the nitty gritty, but generally. almost everyone would agree that fairness is a good trait to live by or or um courage or honesty these kind we might disagree about what they mean and what situations but there's this general sense that there are principles or traits that are effective for it for a good life a virtuous life yeah yeah and it's like the the territory we live in like it's uh like it's an unchanging territory, like those things are kind of a given. Mm. And what he's saying is when our mental maps, what he calls paradigms, mm-hmm. line up with those principles, yeah. then we're kind of living in truth. We're living a yeah. truthful life and that's kind of the most effective way to be. Yeah, yeah. So that, That's how I understood it. It took, my, took, my, took me a long time to get my head around that. Yeah, I think and, um, from reading your notes, it really did help. But I think that's how good. I can conceptualize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in this, in, and this is a silly example, but like, let's say you had a belief that um, all mushrooms are edible. That map you have of the world eventually is going to come back to bite you. <laughs> like one day, mm. you, you're going to eat the wrong mushroom, and it's not going to be good. So, so it's not only is it in, in making the point that your character is based on your values, but in order to be happy and effective, those values need to be based in truth somehow. Mm. And I mean, the, the truth of what mushrooms you may or may not eat might be an easier thing than like the truth of, um, I guess, yeah, like virtues. It, it's a hard thing to say. Well, it, it's true yeah, to be yeah. courageous. Like, what does that even mean? But but mm. there's a sense in which, you know, from Aristotle to to now that there's a sense of virtue ethics that, Generally, people live better lives if they live by these certain principles, integrity, mm. honesty, truth, courage, that sort of thing. Mm. And as you point out, all, all the, the behaviours and habits built on top of those um, will only be long-lasting if they are, are actually built on top of those. I, I think that's a, that's a really great place to start. And I suppose from there, kind of leading in, into the habits, he talks about um, you know trying to balance our production versus our production capability so he refers mm. to that as p versus pc and it's like seven-year-old kids use it in their day-to-day life <laughs> that's something <laughs> i thought was quite funny but um but that's basically talking about um you know b- being able to find a balance between you know doing meaningful meaningful things and you mm-hmm. know um pro- producing good results but also finding ways to um recharge yourself um mm-hmm. make sure that you're you're strong for the next the next fight, the next battle that's coming along. Yeah. I think there's there's elements of, you know, kind of um building resilience and upskilling yourself and yeah. um, you know, putting your your time into meaningful things because you what do you say, I, I am what I am today because of the choices I made yesterday. Mm. So th- there's there's a lot kind of going through this theme of you know, some things are more about, you know, what are some 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 things you you can you can do to increase your productivity, but then there's also mm-hmm. elements of, you know, how can you nourish and sustain your relationships? And, you know, that, that I guess we'll go through those kind of yeah. <laughs> at, at some point, but I think that's an interesting thing that 
we've spoken about, I think particularly at the end of our last year reflection, mm-hmm. is like finding that balance between kind of like striving and acceptance or, mm. you know, knowing when you kind of um, doing more, whether it's like maintenance goals or you're trying mm-hmm. to start new goals, that sort of thing. I think that, that popped into my mind a fair bit. Mm. Yeah, it's like if life was, a, <clears throat> if life was a road trip, you can't just drive continuously you've got to stop you've got to fill up yeah. on fuel you've got to do some maintenance you might even make some improvements and tweaks here and there yeah. and so yeah both both are important and um i think there's something else i want to kind of say as part of this yeah. um brief introduction doing, you know he's talking about this um maturity continuum which you know yeah. implies that we go from when we're younger a state of dependence we're dependent on other people and you know we may never actually leave that if we don't kind of uh work on some of these habits yeah, yeah. um so you know kind of so the aim is to go from like um dependency to being independent mm-hmm. and then interdependent so we're yeah. able to kind of build that way so i think yeah g- given these foundations it, it's quite a i think it was a really good opening chapter to you know explain those concepts you know to, to think about you know kind of that you do the, the way you see the world like greatly affects how you um what results you get and how you interact mm. with other other people. And uh, certainly I think uh, in habit two, um, when he's talking about, you know, the different centers we have, you know, if you're overvaluing mm-hmm. one center over another, um, it can take you away from being principal centered. Mm. Um, yeah. So the, yeah. So what we've talked about so far has really been like the first part of the book before he gets into the habits. So he's saying mm. that the habits are built on this idea that we're, we're looking to work on our character and within looking to work on a character, we start off dependent. We, if we can grow and mature to becoming independent, which is what the first three habits are all about. And then with that base, we can grow and mature to becoming interdependent. That is mm-hmm. maturity in relationships with others, which is what the second three habits are about. Yeah. And then the final habit is the sharp and the saw, the which is looking after yourself, the um, yeah. filling up the tank, maintenance, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, he talks about like the 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 centre, the principal centre in which we're kind of aiming to live out on really affects yeah. our motivations, decisions, actions, and how we interpret the world. And I think that was something that really stood out to me because I've been thinking a lot about how mm-hmm. um, like my my general attitude has been can affect the way i yeah behave act see things interact with other people it's kind of like there's a a level of perspective that needs to be gained yeah um because it really just does have a a huge impact on everything like especially motivations you know if if you're Mm -hmm. feeling tired and worn out or fed up or frustrated or angry at other people like your your decision making isn't going to be as clear or as um no direct as you'd like it. You're not going to be living out the actions you want to, and you're going to be interpreting things wrong. And I think it's quite, it was inspirational to know like that to to aim for a place that like, no matter what's going on in my life, there's this, there's this like center I can Mm. aim aim towards that's based on, um, you know, correct principles, but they're in line with like values and what's important to me. So when it comes to, yeah, that fork in the road, that decision-making I've kind of, I've got got a solid center. Yeah, yeah got, got got an anchor, and um, you know, um, you know, kind of when, when you fall down, you can keep the keep the, the vision in mind. Mm. You know, hold the, hold the vision up here, even when everything else isn't kind of going that well. There's that there's a level of um security that comes with that, and uh, 
can lead to you know bravely entering the world if you kind of know that you've got these this mm. center locked in yeah yeah, yeah I really which, like which i liked i liked find it quite yeah. inspiring yeah i want to um throw in um an example he gave of a paradigm shift just to um <laughs> make make that point because i yeah. this this story always stayed with me i mean i read this book um well god knows one i want to say 14 years ago and this story for some reason always stayed with me so he said he was on a train uh, a really nice quiet carriage two or three other people there quietly reading he's just enjoying the scenery riding along the next station a dad and two kids get on the dad just like sits staring at the window kind of looking aimlessly while the kids are screaming running up and down the aisle and there's just this obvious atmosphere in the carriage now that uh like we were all having quite a nice peaceful trip and now this chaos is happening and so he's like Stephen Covey's there kind of getting a bit more and more agitated and irritable as these kids are running by screaming um arguing with each other yelling and the, the, the dad's just not paying attention at all and eventually the frustration builds up so much that he says oh can you like look your kids are disturbing everyone it was quite peaceful before you got on can, would you do something about it and he kind of comes around the dad and he's like oh sorry yeah um my wife their mother's just died and i guess they, they don't know how to handle it either <laughs> and like suddenly in that moment steven's irritability just went like that and he just filled with sort of compassion and, and his map of the situation just completely changed in that moment and that's an example of what he calls a paradigm shift where like our current map of the world is can just change and um yeah i thought that that example highlighted it well it's great i think that's a really um he kind of introduces this really early on in the books to kind of hold as you go throughout throughout each habit and um he particularly puts in that example of um you know there's some people listening might have seen it. it's like a picture of an old lady but if you look at it in a different way it's a picture of a young lady like mm. the the young lady's forehead is actually the old lady's nose and it's sort of he, he took it into a classroom and some people were just absolutely like hell-bent they're like yeah this is a picture of an old lady mm. and eventually like if you can change your paradigm you can see things differently mm. it's like you can't see it until you're shown or you're willing to accept that things could be a different, yeah different i like what way. he did yeah so yeah, he because what he did with that. So there's the picture that could be seen either way. I'll, I'll, I'll put them on screen, and um, and he also had um, two other pictures which were the same but could only be seen one way. So one that was just yeah. the young woman, and one that was just the old woman, and, and he split the class in two and showed one half this picture of just the young woman, the other half the picture of just the old woman. And then he brought them back and then showed them the picture, which was ambiguous. You could see it either way. Yes, and yeah. um, that's where they had this argument and people, you know, it took, it took someone to get up there and they were like, no, look, that's her nose. That's her mouth. And yeah. someone to be like, no, that's her necklace. And finally through that, they eventually became to see the other person's point of view perspective. Mm. Um, so I yeah, see. I guess that's a, what was the point? It was kind of saying that, people might see things differently, but it doesn't mean they're wrong. Um, mm. You can have different perspectives from different angles, which highlight differences, which both can be equally right. It's just the perspective you have. Well, it's also kind of a way of, you know, casting um, a bit of skepticism on the current maps you do have as well. Yeah. That you're kind of, that you're willing to, willing to change them. 
I suppose you're, you're, or you're, you're open to things being a different way. Like if something's not working for you right now, then maybe it's, maybe it implies that there's something in the way you're seeing it or the way you're behaving or the way you're acting that kind of could change. You know, That's I think that links point. a lot to, um, you know, um, what um, Jordan Peterson says in 12 rules for life. Like there is, you know, if there is, isn't something going well in your life or things aren't going the way you want them to, like it's worth looking at like what role you have to play in that. And I suppose an yeah. extension of that in regards to this book is that saying it's, it's worth examining the way you look at the world. Like how do you put too much focus on a certain center? Like are you too focused on like pleasure centers in your life? Mm. You're seeking thrills and, um, you know, to, to be entertained or are you too focused on like, relationships that you're not focusing enough on yourself or mm. have you got like negative centers going through your life that you kind of tend to complain or that people are either friends or enemies or there mm-hmm. um or you're too self-centered like you're focusing way too much on yourself like your point of view like that's an old lady like mm. no bloody way is that a young lady mm. you're not open enough to think it could be another way um yeah and it can end up in this like this conflict and this spiral that you you can kind of you start to get fixated on one mm-hmm. center and you're not open to other ones, but then you just kind of get deeper and deeper into your own one. Mm. And then you, you're not as effective in that sense, you know, yeah, to bring it back yeah. to like the title of the book. So I, I found that really, really interesting that yeah. particularly related to, to, to habit too around, um, you know, if we're not principle centered, yeah. we're often stuck in these other centers, the ones I've just yeah. outlined. Yeah, um, like focused on money or your relationship or... Yeah, it could, could be many things, Working yeah. out, whatever it might be. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good point that he he's saying that uh, when we try to solve problems, often the best solution is reframing the problem entirely. Um, mm. And that can be done by, you know, changing a paradigm, changing a mental map. And, and I think an example he gave was when his son was young, he d- wasn't doing too well. He was kind of like scrawny compared to the other kids, wasn't doing well academically, wasn't doing well in sports and stuff. And they really wanted to like help him and encourage him. And um, so they were doing things like, yeah, like uh, saying, oh, you know, you're doing, you're doing really well. And, um, you know, we're here for you. And like telling off kids and other parents if they mocked him and stuff like that. But they said, eventually when they really looked at the way they were seeing the problem they were seeing him as a problem and that that even though they were coming at it with best intentions their attitude was shining through in their words even though the words were kind compassionate they Mm -hmm. were they were implicitly saying there's something wrong with you and you're different and when they really looked at that and said no he's just fine the way he is (laughs) and like really came from that place that's changing their mental map um that that just helped everyone involved because he was no longer being treated like someone who was inferior. And in fact, apparently he did go on to uh, do very well and whatever. But um, yeah, the, the point being that you can often, you can get really focused on the solution of a problem when actually the problem is the way you've framed your problem. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of some um, links to um, some acceptance and commitment therapy in there as well, isn't mm. it? You know, he talks yeah, about yeah. Um, what, what, you know, I think, um, you know, looking at habit one being proactive, you know, the, the things he um, puts in there are some like key characteristics to the to being human and the fact that like you are in charge of your life and like you you can be proactive is that we do have self-awareness, we do have like a conscience, we do have independent will mm-hmm. and Im- imagination and like those are 
tools enough to kind of encourage a paradigm shift. Like we do have a choice to see things differently. We do have a choice to like investigate the way we look at mm. situations. Like we, th- there's a, you know, that imagination, you know, can take us to places that we can be, we can be open. Like I, I can imagine a different way of being. So therefore yeah. there must be a different way of seeing things. Yeah. Um, I, I know you, um, I guess from your notes again, like you, you drew quite a lot of parallels to the be proactive um, habit, which is habit one yeah. um, in, in private victory. Wondering, um, you could like, yeah, just expand on what, what links you thought. Yes. So be proactive. I guess what's he saying? He's saying that we, we have these unique human endowments. You pointed out independent yeah. will, imagination, conscience, and we can use those tools to, um, look at our values, imagine how things could be different. And actually we are fundamentally this, this habit saying we're responsible for our lives and that it's very easy to perhaps be reactive, which would be the opposite, which means you're just responding to crap that life's throwing at you. Um, but in, I was going to say, um, I'd say there's a difference between reactive and responding. Um, mm. So kind of like reacting to what happens to you as, a, as opposed to responding would be my yeah. emphasis Yeah, so he, he, yeah. he breaks up this word responsible into response-able, like you're yes. able to yeah. respond. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to be proactive is to recognise that you're in charge of your life, that you can do what you want fundamentally, but that takes a certain weight of responsibility to do that. And it involves you actually thinking about, well, what do I want? What, what values are my wants going to be based on? What's my plan going to be founded on? And then when it comes to it, um, how am I going to prioritize my actual values when there are other influences coming in? You know, there are phone calls coming through. There are people who want me to be different the way I am. They people who want my time and attention, um, and I'm, am I going to kind of let what life throws at me, drag me along or am I going to carve out my own path? I, I think he talks a bit about like our attitudes and behaviors flow from, um, from, from our paradigms, like the way we see the world. And if, if we're not adopting responsibility and we're not kind of living in a proactive way mm-hmm. our attitudes and behaviors will reflect that so you know looking at language like a big link to non-violent communication yes. you know, and saying like i can't um oh i'm sorry i can't come to that or um other examples aren't coming to mind here but like mm, there's ways to. we I, I have to exactly mm. yeah great example um you know the way we talk about things and the way we behave like we don't have to do anything we don't want to do mm. you know it's um it's uh it's a big one really i think it's kind of a really good foundation habit there but it's it's kind of another reiteration of a lot of the the books we've been reading um yeah. recently that you know we do you do have choice you know there, there there is a gap between stimulus and response there's a space between the two yeah. in which you can decide which way you're going to go and with our imagination with our um independent will we can make choices that are best for us and we can choose to you know what he says is like carry our own weather with us like whatever mm, yeah like, going on. like we we can hold that and um although we can't choose 
the consequences of our decisions, we can still have a choice in our decisions. And I think that there's yeah. a there's an acceptance in that as well. I liked the way he added that frame to it as well, that like we can't, we, we don't choose kind of what happens next necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we make a choice and what happens happens. But yeah. I think in that moment, we, we in being proactive, you know, keeping commitments, um, sticking to our choices, you know, doing what we think's best in that moment. Like mm. that's a really solid foundation to, to go in. It's, mm. it's related quite a lot to security as well. You know, that like I trust my decisions. I will do what's best for me. I won't do what I know to be bad for me. Mm. You know, that rule mm. in 12 rules for life. It's like, don't do anything, <laughs> you, you know, not to be good for you. you mm. know? And it's also relates a bit to kind of living out of truth. If you continue kind of acting in ways that go against your, your values and that foundation then you're sort of yeah like you're you building that muscle right either life. way yeah yeah and i think exactly that's a good point you know being proactive is, is a muscle that you can you can build to kind of mm. create daily private victories for yourself by staying accountable to your decisions like taking responsibility for all of your decisions and um you know yeah carrying your own weather with you mm. carrying I, that burden I think yeah. I framed it. I framed it to myself like, um, so just to reframe like that idea of taking responsibility, which I always find, I always hear it with like a, a sort of teacher or parental tone saying it to a child, like take some goddamn responsibility. <laughs> Whereas it's more like, oh, you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's more like, I see it like we're, your response able, whether you like it or not, like you just, you, you're a human, you are able to respond differently. And so it's not so much mm. taking it than, than just accepting that that's true and not denying that you are response able. Um, mm. For example, um, I think, you know, a, a quick example he gives is like someone who decides they're going to go, um, I don't know, jogging each morning and that, you know, if it's a bit cold or wet, they just don't go out. It's like to be proactive would be to go out regardless, right? To your mm. by being reactive, you're just allowing your environment to change yeah. um, how you live your life. I think I, I've got I pulled this off of one of his um, lectures. So he says proactivity, the capacity and the desire to subordinate impulses, moods, feelings, conditions to values based on principles. So you're sort of choosing to live on your principles <clears throat> as opposed to the weather or your mood or whatever. Mm -hmm. I like that. The more I read it, the more it kind of sinks in. It's, um, I, I wonder, um, well, what I'm wondering about that, you know, kind of if in, not not subordinating yet yeah, to kind of your impulses you yeah. you increase what he describes something that circle of um circle of influence where it's like things that uh, i'm trying to think things that make you <laughs> react are kind of coming from outside circumstances which can sometimes be out of your your concern whereas yes. like thing, things in your circle of influence are more seem a bit more easier to respond to as opposed to react to. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Try, so trying to create a bit of a reframe there. I'm, yeah. Just no, trying, no, I'm, you're doing well. I've been let's, trying to work that one out. Yeah. Uh, let's, paint like, that, let's paint that picture. So you've got yeah. things. Yeah. 
imagine so one circle is your circle of influence in something you can actually do something about your actions can affect yeah. this stuff yeah and then there's another circle which is your circle of concern things that matter to you now your circle of influence and your circle of concern won't always coexist right you might have a concern about the weather you can't do anything mm. about it so it's not in your mm. circle of influence you might have a concern about politics but you know maybe apart from one vote every so many years there's not really much you can actually do compared to say um your health which might be in your circle of concern which is very much in your circle of influence mm. so, so there are things that are far more um uh within your capacity to do something about than others mm. and those things he says that yeah people who tend to be more reactive focus have their attention a lot on things that are out of their control so they talk about the weather yes. talk about politics um well, they're naturally going to be easier to kind of um re react to because you can't respond as effectively to them there's only a limit to how much yeah. you can, your, your reaction is going to do yeah th thanks for tying that loop up for me it was kind of confusing me a bit but uh there's yeah, a certain, um, yeah there's yeah. a certain what's it freedom in talking about things outside your control because you're never going to risk having to do anything about it yeah, if you're true, chatting true. to someone about how you're concerned your body's looking or how your diet's going you know where that conversation's going to end up yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well what you're gonna have to do something about that mate oh shit <laughs> so oh, um fuck yeah <laughs> so um yeah he's saying that people you know draw their attention if you're a pro if you've built that proactive muscle, you'll draw your attention more to things you can do things about. Whereas if you, um, you know, perhaps are more reactive, uh, you're more likely to spend time focused on stuff that's just out of your control. Mm. But he's saying the and more that you do focus on stuff that's in your control, the bigger your circle of influence gets. So uh, yeah. when you focus on mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, sorry. And the smaller the um, circle of concern becomes as well. So that's kind of like, it expands into it. So the more you work on your mm -hmm. circle of influence, the less things there tend to be in your circle of concern. Because you, you, you start to focus a bit more on like what, what you can do as opposed to what uh -huh. you can't. Okay. Yeah. I didn't read it like that. I, I, I saw it as that circle either stayed the same or got bigger, but your influence just increased. So like, mm. okay. so like, yeah, I don't know, you might be concerned about climate change or something. Uh, that might be in your circle of concern, but you can't do anything about it. Well, you, that's not true. You, there are small things you can do about it. But someone, say like Bill Gates, if he, if climate change was in his circle of concern, he could he has far more influence with his wealth and what companies, whatever. Uh, okay, yeah, because I think I'm seeing circle. I mean, this is two uh -huh. interesting ways to look at it. I think I'm seeing circle of concern as things that like don't necessarily matter. Well, they're just kind of pointless things to kind of put your attention into. Whereas yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah. Thi things like circle of concern, like you're saying like the weather or climate change, like they're not um, unreasonable things to care about. But I'm in circle of concern. My mind jumped to sort of like, you know, staring at random crap online or just like uh, binge watching rubbish TV or worrying about like news that doesn't affect right, you right. and stuff like that. I mean, no, I, yeah, I read it as things yeah. that are important to you. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I guess. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. He says there's things like you can um, look at things like whether you've got like direct 
indirect or like no control over them as well like thinking about that when you're kind of situations present themselves like going like is this something i can kind of directly influence or indirectly you know through another person or do i just absolutely have no control whatsoever through this yeah yeah so i might have i don't know my diet let's say might be in my circle of control because i can so long as i have access to the food i want i can directly control what i put in my mouth whereas say Mm. i don't know my relationship with you is slightly more out of my control because it partly relies on you engaging in in it as well, right? So mm-hmm. um, there are, yeah, like you point out, and then maybe climate change. It's it's there's a tiny sliver of it that might be within my circle of influence, but on the whole, it's out of my control. So yeah, things can be. It's not just they're in your control or they're not. They can be by degree as well, and that Absolutely. can grow um, with the more. I guess, power you get, the more influence you have. I was particularly interested in um, habit three around putting first things first. Um, reminded me a lot of the Tony Robbins time of your life program that we did, you know, looking at um, the different dimensions, like the dimensions of fulfillment and where you put your, what was it, the time, uh, like the time circles, you uh, know, yeah. so one's um, dimension of delusion, dimension of um like urgency and you know the different quadrants he talks about in this and yeah so that, they, they want, share that yeah. matrix right um one yeah of they share the matrix yeah. yeah yeah and it's it kind of goes a bit into um you know you know d- daily planning like being able to you know so this is the the principles of personal management you know how how you plan your time mm-hmm. and he says that like before anything um kind of happens that there's a there's like a the physical creation requires like a this to be actualized like the things you mm. want to do and the the habits and the goals and the roles you want to live out need to be actualized you know in mm-hmm. a day-to-day moment-to-moment way right it's um, yeah in in david allen's sense it's like getting down to ground level right it's it's the day-to-day how you actually spend the nitty-gritty of your time um so if habit one is accept that you're responsible and in charge of your life habit two is paint a vision and know what your values and principles are and Mm. then habit three is well actually manage your life and your time so that your actions are scheduled to be built around those things Mm. he talks about like different ways of scheduling you know how it like evolved over time that there was a people used to write lists and then they did goals and then they (laughs) kind of expanded that to, you know, kind of putting things in certain times of the day. And it, it gave me a bit of a reframe, like about how I plan my weeks. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes I plan my weeks around um, a lot of tasks that are kind of um, important and urgent or important, uh, not important, but urgent, you know, those sorts of things. But whereas, you know, what he's saying is, you know, try and plan your week a bit more around the stuff that's kind of, important but not urgent and those sorts of Mm. things are you know like exercise and um you know developing your relationships um planning um you know reading like whatever it is Mm -hmm. um for you or you've got it up here yeah so um yeah focusing on your health and recreation like often things that we might put to put to the side this quadrant stuff yeah quadrant two and that's what tony robbins referred to as like the dimension of fulfillment and yeah that's funny, the, isn't it? Yeah. He probably ripped it from this book and then jazzed it up with his uh, like more enthusiastic language, which he likes to do. It's brilliant. I think I think he he did acknowledge 
Stephen Covey oh, before okay. he did it. I, did I feel it. like he did. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. He, <laughs> he, he's in the um, his uh, his review is in the front of the book. So. Oh, okay. So yeah, he'd have to give. He's obviously comments. read it unless he's lying. <laughs> yeah. <Obviously> read it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I know that, that that stood out to me a lot. You know, thinking about where do I actually put the energies into my week? You know, often yeah. it's like this hard because when we were doing um, the getting things done, yeah, it kind of started to feel a bit more around. Um, what like tasks and things need doing yeah and i would kind of put them into my daily calendar like oh cool i can uh mm-hmm. right i reckon tuesday is probably a good day i'm gonna have like half an hour between this and this and i can send that email off or something whereas actually that's not life that's i don't want to plan my life around kind of finding gaps between work and stuff to run errands you know I right wanna, okay ha- how much of my week you know so i tried like putting in on like a wednesday night i'm like message like five good friends and arrange to meet up with them you know that, oh, okay. that sort of yeah, thing yeah. like t- doing things that um kind of nurture relationships or you know do some solid research into like my exercise program i'm gonna do you know thinking about like what's most important to me what are the things i enjoy and like yeah. putting putting time to those things and then kind of putting to the side or finding other time for things that aren't so important i guess so so yeah, we 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 did did that kind of mini series, didn't we, on lifestyle and personal management? And so you, yeah. we've like we just pointed out, we've seen this quadrant before in the Tony Robbins program, and mm. we you know discussed it then. And so it, it, I'm just trying to piece together what you're saying, having read this. So you're saying that this had you focus more on this quadrant two stuff, the stuff that's important to you but not urgent, and rather than planning in the like stuff that's perhaps quadrant one kind of more urgent just the i don't know dropping off emails things that kind of need doing yeah. doing your washing stuff that's sort of you know important and but it's it's not the be all and end all of the values and principles of your life mm. you're saying that you start playing more of those things in because of yeah this. so my my week to week i'm focusing more on making time for those things because mm. i think you know that's what i'm Taylor Robbins talks about, and even he talks about here as well, you know, it's about, um, you know, how do you use your, your time wisely and where do you put it? And even thinking a bit about, um, you know, Tim Ferriss, the four hour work, Mm. you know, learning, you know, a big part of that is like learning to say no to things and, you know, learning to prioritize and be disciplined and be organized. And he says that there's, um, uh, you know, five, five elements to kind of, you know, planning your week and making sure it's kind of in line with your values. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's one that you've got like a, um, like a, a coherent system, something that makes sense. Yeah. So you've got like, you're getting things done and a diary and that sort of thing. Um, balance, but looking at balance of the week in terms of your, your roles. So you've got your role as like a worker, for example, you've got your role as a friend, mm-hmm. you've got your role as like, uh, healthy person, you know, like when we were doing that, um, Tony Robbins thing, there's yeah, all yeah, the yeah. like nine, nine dimensions of your life, what's yeah. quadrants and whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Areas of growth or something. Oh, he called them yeah, something yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's like, he says there's gotta be like a people dimension. So, you know, really valuing relationships as opposed to time you know, and then yeah. that it's, that it's a flexible system and it's a portable system and something you can be, be dynamic with. And a big part of that is I'm probably going to go on a bit of a run here, okay, for it. but um, like a big part of that is, you know, 
as I say, one, identifying the roles in your life. Like what is important? Mm. Where does your, where is your time best spent as well? Like who, who are you responsible? Um, and what, what responsibilities have you mm. taken on in your life? Um, so just to jump in there as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. that what that helps you with is that the centeredness we talked about before. So by, yes, yes. by making sure you kind of scope out all your roles and areas of life, you're not just, without doing that, you could be very proactive, let's say just about earning money or your body mm. or your spouse or something, but like end up neglecting other areas of life just because they're not in your map. So by making sure you kind of yeah. map out all the roles, you can see more clearly where you're, um, you know, perhaps not, not being as proactive compared to others. I think that's what um, the Tony Robbins system was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to get you to think about like, where am I, not just like putting in your diary, like obligations and shit yeah. you've got to do, like putting in like what's meaningful to you. Like, yeah. okay, I'm feeling a bit behind on like my relationships and developing new ones. Can I put some time into that? You know, mm -hmm. so, you know, say, you know, you know, selecting got, so you've got your roles, mm -hmm. you've got specific goals around those as well. So you know, I've got the role as a, um, as a friend, the goal is to, develop new and existing friendships mm -hmm. so in terms of scheduling i need to schedule time for that otherwise it's not happening if i if i um if i kind of recede and go into you know just focusing on work and yeah like cleaning up the house like focusing too much on that stuff not streamlining yeah, yeah. the stuff that doesn't need to be done yeah yeah and then i guess the final I guess I'm throwing in lots of different elements here, but like there's yeah, a, yeah. the the, da the daily adapting bit really, really stood out to me. That was like oh, a yeah. huge bit. So saying um, that we can, it's like an example I gave the other day. So let's say I was like on this absolute like hell bent vision to get like ripped and I was yeah. just going to eat clean food, whatever that means. Well, that's mm -hmm. an incredibly vague term. Like yeah. I was going to eat a certain diet, yeah. but then you rock, then you rock up in Australia yeah and you want to go for a pint and eat a dirty <laughs> burger somewhere like what what he's saying is that we can subordinate to higher values with with confidence mm. and and with integrity because we because we're principle centered like we understand our values well enough mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we can be adaptable so you don't yeah. hold them so tightly that you kind of you cut out the ability to like build relationships like there's all these different yeah. domains of our life and i think it, i was often quite thinking about them in quite streamlined ways well there's a it's fine like, line between that and being reactive yeah. isn't there so in yeah. the um, tim yeah. ferris book he, he one uh, one i like that stood out is you know he'd have these email auto responses that are like <laughs> i reply to my emails for half an hour every other monday but at this time like if you need urgently to hear from me before then contact my secretary on dot 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 and the call sends out to india or something but like he's uh those are the types of things that if you haven't i mean that might be an extreme example but you people end up you could end up spending like hours of your day and week just going through email that doesn't really matter to you it's not part of your values but it's just come at you and you're just reacting to it now um it might be the case that you know, you're in the middle of a project and you get an email that is urgent from someone really close to you and that you decide, I guess it's, that's the point, isn't it? That you're noticing, you're aware, you're being proactive and you're deciding, ah, oh, yeah. something's happened in my day. Now the 
the landscape is different. Luke's arrived in Australia, whatever it is. And I'm based on my principles going to choose to act differently and change my plan because of that. And that's quite, Mm. it's very subtle, but it's different to just being reactive to crap that's thrown at you. (laughs) Mm. And and I think he's saying that like the frustration comes from the expectation you put on certain values as well. Like Mm -hmm. if, if you have a certain expectation that like, if I live this way, this exact thing will happen. Or kind of I can live in a way that I'm totally undistractable from other things and you know I expect no problems in my life like what if I'm like you know if you go into the gym for example but then you get sick you've got to like respond to the values of like the higher value of yeah. your health and well-being so you decide to have like two days in bed and do whatever you need to do yeah, to, get, yeah. to get better and I think it was an interesting even though it was kind of it seemed like a minor point it kind of hit me quite hard that mm-hmm whether there needs to be like a level of forgiveness or acceptance in that, or whether there just needs to be acceptance in the first place. It's more like having, having a bit more kind of internal security allows you to be a bit more flexible, a bit more adaptable. Yeah. Flexibility in, in, the, word, situ- in the situations. Yeah. yeah. Cause the landscape might change, but mm. what doesn't change are your values. So presumably mm. you're going to the gym and whatever for health anyway. So if you got mm. sick, and you changed your plan, you haven't changed your priority. Your priority is still your health, but mm. you, you've now, you know, the amount of sets and reps you're going to do is not going to happen. But like, but it's because it's because you're anchored in your principle of keeping yourself healthy. There's an interesting concept he talks about in, um, I know he goes on to talk about this in like interpersonal relationships about like an emotional bank account and making deposits, but he's saying that you can make deposits in your, your personal intrinsic security account. Oh yeah. So, you know, and by, you know, I suppose doing that is by kind of acting in ways that are kind of best for yourself with, with integrity, you know, mm. like do, doing what's kind of best for you at the time. And as it like being able to subordinate to different values, Mm. depend depending on what you need at that time and i suppose that that does require like understanding yourself really well to know that like when i get like this i need this you know and i Mm. i I would do well to um not be so critical if i don't kind of live up to that value or don't Mm. exceed in that area and i suppose in that sense it's a way of like you know tapping into our into our energies and our inner strength at the right times. Mm. Like sometimes we need some things and other times we, we need others. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of being flexible and adaptable, mm-hmm. that really taps into that. You know, it makes me think a lot of, you know, when, if you're so hell bent on just kind of like one thing, you, you could just make yourself ill or you yeah. could, um, forget to, you know, interact with friends more, or you could, you know, damage relationships, or you could, yeah. you know, fe- affect your work life. You know, if you kind of socialise too much, but then you're going into work hungover too too often. You know, kind of, yeah. there's all those different effects, and it's 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 a balance he's talking about, isn't it? And I think that balance can be you, you give yourself a chance if you kind of at the beginning of your week or sort of like a Sunday before the week mm-hmm. starts, like try and put make the week something that does have all elements of your life mm. and so you're not kind of negating others but overemphasizing some mm, yeah definitely yeah yeah there's, there's so much these first three habits um 
we I don't think we've actually named the titles of any of them. So, so the first one is be proactive. We've said that. The second one, yeah. begin with the end in mind. So he calls that personal leadership, which is yeah. uh, what I guess David Allen would talk about the the higher level, the fifty thousand feet set up. What's your ultimate vision? Your goals, your values, yeah. your core principles you want to live by. <clears throat> and then number three put first things first. So this is personal management as opposed to personal leadership. And personal management is more about the day-to-day on the ground. How do you actually schedule and use your time and what activities do you do in it based on your values and principles? And yeah, it, cu- it cuts across so many things we've talked about. The Tony Robbins program, the Tim Ferriss for our work week. And I think the, um, the six pillars of self-esteem, like being taking responsibility for yourself is kind of like the first three pillars, isn't it? You raise your, the practice of living consciously, the practice of self-acceptance, and then the practice of personal responsibility, Mm. all about being proactive. And then the practice of living purposefully and assertively uh, are kind of more about the second two habits, you know, what you're actually going to schedule into your life. And then how are you going to, how you're going to actually live by those things. Mm. And when mm. other stuff throws itself at you, do you have the defenses to say no to, yeah. to, to like know strongly enough why you're doing what you're doing such that you mm. can risk perhaps upsetting people or at least not people pleasing to sort of um, mm. get by, but no, I'm living by my values. And so I'm going to say no to this. I like, um, there's just a quote I've written down. He says, mm. you know, you want to, focus on relationships and results, not time. That kind of gets me thinking a bit about, um, you know, flow, how you can kind of get like losing yourself in, (laughs) in moments and, you know, just kind of allowing yourself to be immersed in certain experiences that add value to you and, um, Mm. you know, kind of, and how, how that breeds, you know, greater results and greater success and, and happiness when you're kind of more in that area of, in, in that flow state where, yeah. kind of, just hyper hyper focused but enjoying yourself at the same time Um, yeah and i guess hopefully that happens when you know you're kind of doing what you want to be doing you're not procrastinating you're not letting yourself be sidetracked you're actually zoned in to Mm. what's important to you yeah or you kind of don't get to the end of the week and feel like you've kind of forgotten something either yeah you know i i I think i i have those weeks sometimes where i'm like oh i did there's a lot of you know, this, a lot of like nurturing my friendships and a lot of, um, you know, getting to know people or, you know, kind of developing old or new ones. But then I've kind of like totally let other things slip. And mm. I suppose I'm learning just to be a bit more kind of forgiving. I'm like, oh, maybe this was just the week that was you know, going to be one where I was a bit more social, but I can always um, pin it back and get mm. more into my read, get more into my reading this week or, um, Know, kind of get a bit more back into the exercise and um, add a bit more focus onto that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's just an interesting. I think it was a good chapter just to kind of add a add a different frame to a lot of the um, yeah. time man- time management stuff we've done already. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those three habits then have us mature from dependent to independent. And I've noticed we've spent a lot of time on it. It's probably because we're we're probably both a bit more um, familiar with the first three habits from the other books you've read, and we're probably more invested in them. We know a bit more about them. And the second yeah. three habits, moving from independence to interdependence, 
Um, <laughs> I remember, do you remember I made the joke to you? I'm like, oh, I'll just finish at the top first three chapters. Do. <laughs> I do remember don't, that. Yeah, <laughs> don't need to share it with anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's supposed to get more difficult, but um, yeah, let's start with... Um, the fourth public. habit then yeah. so, so th- these are all public public victories right uh-huh. these are all things that you know to share with other people so the three habits are you know think win-win uh-huh. second one is um seek first to understand then be understood and habit six is synergize so that's um you know around creative cooperation uh-huh. i think what I, what I really like some of the standouts for me you know was his talking about you know how when you're interacting with other people it's a lot about you know making deposits into other people's emotional bank accounts and the, mm. you know, the, the relationships you have with, sorry, <clears throat> with other people is, is everything. So, you know, mm. that's, that's the most important thing. It's all in the relationship. You know, people can see straight through when you're not being authentic, like when there isn't that real connection, you're not going to create anything meaningful. Um, or when you're just but, out to or, kind of manipulate or get what you want. Yeah, and you know, kind of like using people to get yeah, exactly using mm. people to get what you want. And I think you know, ways of making these emotional um, emotional bank account deposits. You know, mm-hmm. one is to really understand the the person you're talking to. So, mm-hmm. living out of your experience, you know, kind of sharing what's real with inside of you, but also like allowing them to kind of share what's inside of them, being like yeah. entirely open, non judgmental to kind of whatever comes your way. And that's, that's very much like a, a reciprocal thing. You know, well, it's it's risking, yeah. um, you have to step outside your own map, your own paradigm to do that, right? Because you're risking yes, trying to put yes, yourself in someone yeah. else's shoes. And yeah, I, I yeah. think that can be, so this is all about empathic listening. And, and that can all be very um, intimidating in a way because you don't want to let, <clears throat> people don't want to let go of their maps, right? They want to prove their point. They want to be understood. Um, and when you like, just put that to one side for a sec to try and get someone else's shoes. It feels like you might lose it. You might let go of yourself somehow. Um, so yeah, but he, I guess his, his fifth habit is, is all about empathic listening first seek to understand, then be understood. Cause you met, this is all about nonviolent communication as well. Right. Once you've, once someone's been empathized with, they're much more likely and willing and probably even desiring to, to see what your point of view is. And so yes, it yes. makes sense in life just to take the habit of, or be the person that does that first. Someone's going to do it first. <laughs> so step up and you do it. <laughs> well, it gives, you know, in, in doing that, he talks about, you know, giving people psychological air, like there's, mm. there's space for them to share what's real inside of them. And you're, you're, you're choosing to, you know, value the dynamic between you, like what's real between you, as opposed to kind of doing what we always do, what he says, you know, our kind of common autobiography biographical responses which mm, you know kind mm. of evaluating what's going on for someone probing like what you said advising mm. or whether we're trying to just kind of constantly trying to interpret what people are saying so mm. in our interactions with people like just just listening and trying to hear what's real inside of the other person mm. as opposed to jumping too soon to be like the problem solver or you know kind of yeah t- trying to trying to fix things you know what, what you were saying you know we people you know he says you know reply when someone's sharing feelings um no so, so when someone's sharing emotions like mm-hmm. reply with with feelings you know vice versa you know someone's mm-hmm. telling you what's really inside of them like 
give an emotional response like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to what's going on like be, try and feel what's going on for them but then if someone's coming to you with logic like i need some advice on this this has happened then you can kind of provide counsel and give give mm. advice like that's probably a better time to step in as opposed to someone's like i'm i'm feeling fearful or i'm scared right now well, yeah and stop jumping to like what you're going to do about it or here's what you should do or oh god yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i think you can and i completely agree and i think it can be even more subtle some people might they might be less likely to name their emotions um, and might just kind of say things as if they're problems so that they might be almost like pull for you to jump in to fix and solve. Um, and I think one example we had in the book was like his son saying, oh, you know, school's just not going well for me right now or whatever. And it's, it's like, he hasn't said any feeling in that, but it, it's there. It's in the tone of the voice. It's in the body language. It's like, ah, oh, so son, you, you know, you're really not feeling good. You seem a bit fed up perhaps about what's going on at school right now. So you can you can reflect back someone's emotion without them having to even say it. If you can sort of mm. guess it or think mm. you've seen it, um, mm. and then you know, once people are actually empathised with, they're then much more likely to hear if you have any advice of the if they want to know your advice to to be um, open to that. And I think that requires like a lot of internal security as well. Just like, you know, be, mm. being able to kind of put your yeah put yourself in a bit of a a vulnerable position in terms of like what you're going to reflect back to them and also kind of not not going into situations like you know better than the other person like being being a an inquirer as opposed to kind of uh, a problem solver Mm. sure that requires a, a certain amount of vulnerability and you know knowing yourself well enough and being willing to kind of feel what the other person's feeling or kind of hear what the other person's saying um there's a certain vulnerability and inner strength in that, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I mentioned, it has asks you to put your map to one side, which which yeah. is what he says about prog- probing and asking questions. You, you, you know, you might think you're uh, curiously listening well because you're asking a lot about the other person. You know, mm-hmm. well, how was school today? Or how's this going? How's your friends going? Whatever. That questions can often come from your frame of reference what you're trying to do you've got yes, your map yes and you're you're probing to try and fill in the gaps of your map which that's very different to putting your map to one side and really trying to see like well what's this person's map um yeah i found that kind of a nice uh, a key idea in that i think and he's saying that that will show through like to the other person like if you're willing to kind of um Yes, see things differently and kind of hear people without kind of having you know your rose tinted glasses on or whatever mm. the opposite of that would be. You know, kind of that that connects people when they feel that you're kind of you're there with them, not sort of casting any sort of judgment on them or kind of a bit weirded out by what they say, you know, kind of being uh, mm. you know, you're in impermeable, like you're not gonna <laughs> um you know, kind of Act, there's just like a wall up you know if, mm. if you're kind of acting like that then there's no way mm. they're gonna gonna connect with you it's kind of like yeah sounding a little kind of dramatic but there's got to sort of be like they've got to feel they're kind of like seeped into you a bit like what they've said has kind of been been held by you and you're comfortable yeah, yeah. in in holding that and then willing to kind of reflect back from what's real inside of you yeah um 
as opposed to kind of just giving blanket response. And I think that's what um, I think we spoke about this before, you know, and just kind of people just give like, I don't know if this is like bad advice or just generic advice or they yeah. give generic or they give generic feedback. Like it's, it, it feels very inauthentic, whereas it's mm. quite an or, you know, to give, to give genuine praise or give, you know, honest criticism is, yeah, uh, yeah. requires a lot of security. Like, you know, you don't have to kind of pander to other people's feelings or try and make them feel good by what you say. Sort of a, mm. if, if you kind of got that, um, you know, that um, solid, you know, you know, what's your principle center? Like you're able to kind of share a lot more authentically and a lot more honestly in those situations as opposed to kind of trying to people please anybody. Yeah. Or just be like uncomfortable with any emotion. So you just try and make it better by be, I don't know. Yeah. Don't worry. It will be okay. <laughs> it's like, be okay. Yeah. Oh, cheers, cheers for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, <laughs> some, <laughs> something I, um, something I liked about, um, kind of a lot of the rules in this public victory was one of them saying, you know, like keeping your, your commitments and showing like personal inte- mm. integrity and, and apologizing sincerely. I know I've just named three things, but a lot about kind of when you're interacting mm-hmm. in your relationships, like as much as possible. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this as a person who kind of nails this every time, but as much as possible, you know, sticking, sticking to the plan, like being honest, if you can't make commitments, only saying yes to things you genuinely, genuinely want to say yes to. Mm. And, um, you know, being authentic, like being, you know, what we'll say about like integrity is, you know, kind of around showing, showing people your values. Yes. Actually like, I really like that quote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mind reading it out? Yeah, I'd love to get um, it correct. Yeah. Honesty is telling the truth, conforming our words to reality. So honesty is, you know, saying what you see. Integrity is conforming reality to our words. In other words, keeping promises and commitments. So, yeah, Yeah. but by, I guess, telling the truth is about saying things that have happened or are happening now, whereas integrity is about... I've said something and I'm going to make sure it happens. Like I've said a promise, I've made a commitment, I've got you in the diary, like I'm going to stick to that. And um, yeah, that is one of the key things that helps that emotional bank account analogy mm. he used. Yeah, and it's, it's also makes me think a bit about, um, you know, lying by Sam Harris, like when people, you know, when people cancel things or kind of say they're going to go to stuff, but then, then don't go along, like there is kind of a, the, the trust goes in that and that's obviously not yeah. going to kind of bring about much like synergy and you're not going to um, be able to kind of um, cooperate with people as well. Like there, there's, you know, he says, you know, a lot of things, there's got to be like a high level of trust for there to be any kind mm. of level of cooperation. You've got to like value difference and, you know, kind of value the relationship and see that above all else before you can attempt to kind of build anything with anyone else. Yeah, you get a feel for it, don't you? Like anyone who schedules a lot of appointments or, um, I don't know, um, activities with friends or whatever, only takes a, a handful to kind of get a feel of like, yeah, this this person, like they'll they'll stick to that or uh, this person's probably likely to flake. I won't oh, take yeah. this. It, it doesn't take too many for you to just get a feel for that. And um, it's kind of like, how do you want to be in other person's minds? You know, do, do you want to be that person that they think, ah, oh, he probably isn't going to show up, but I won't be too um, invested in that activity. Yeah, you kind of like, you invite people to things, but you don't kind of book an extra tape, extra seat, because you know they're just not going to rock up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more often, and I'm, I'm not even a, 
I'm not really even joking like I've had conversations <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. with friends before so um <laughs> no I, I like that like uh, you know kind of relating to a lot of the like the simple things with people mm. like trying to um you know like stick to plans and be on time like there's things I'm sensitive to in terms of like you know, people being late and stuff like that and maybe I never yeah. read into it but like for me it's sort of if I say I'm going to be somewhere on time like I'd I'm either there on time or I've given a real honest reason as to why I can't mm. make it. That's that's my goal anyway. I know that's yeah, just yeah. gone on re- that's gone on record as me saying <laughs> <laughs> that's my intention. And I think well, that I love that concept of like the emotional bank account and like what you're yeah. saying, there's this sort of unwritten, unspoken thing that you just kind of know if someone's a flake. Yeah. Or you know if they you know if they're true to their words. Or you know, we we've got um remember once you reflecting about um i'm sure he won't mind us saying cause it's a compliment but our, mm-hmm. our friend arthur you know saying mm-hmm. like when when we all hang out together and we're with him mm-hmm. he's very much there he's not anywhere else he's kind mm-hmm. of not um dodging off to make you know phone calls or he's not kind of um wanting to be anywhere else like mm-hmm. anywhere he is he he's there with you and you really kind of value um that time you have with him yeah 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 what that brings to the relationship and i think i've started to notice that in people like you know when you go for dinner and like even if it's only like a half an hour coffee or just going for an hour like they are there in that moment Mm. valuing that relationship they're nowhere else and i'm trying as much as possible to be that like as much as life gets busy and there's lots of conflicting priorities like when you're with someone be there because that's what they that's what they remember. Like that's the lived experience yeah. they have of you and the sense yeah. of that relationship that they carry with them. Like if you're, yeah. if you're kind of distracted, you know, I went for dinner with a couple of people the other day and they were kind of on their phones a lot and I didn't mm. really get a lot from it, but we were hanging out for like two hours, but yeah. I left there kind of not really feeling like. That you connected much or. Yeah. Or the, the relationship kind of moved any further yeah, forward. Whereas yeah. I hang out, hang out with someone for 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's not, and you're not just about like, time, is it? It's not about time. That's what he says. It's, you know, yeah. but, um, look at like planning your week around like relationships and like successes as opposed to time. Like it's not always about yeah. like, spending hours and hours with someone. It's like, how can you have the biggest impact in, in whatever time you've got? I really like that one. Uh, it's not one I'd focused on much, but um, mm. yeah, there's things like honesty and integrity, but yeah, that, that like being present with someone when you're there, I, I can really see how that's a massive, um, investment into the emotional bank account oh for sure like this it's the way they leave you feeling as well right mm. and you hope you have that effect on other people you know i was even thinking that a bit about i i, I am aware of the amount of time we've <laughs> been talking but um uh I'm, i think about you know how we sometimes we might not talk on the phone this might be like the only thing we do once every three weeks or two weeks or something mm-hmm. but like it's it's real high quality Mm. like it's it's good stuff whereas i felt um maybe a few years ago like i remember we, we had a bit of a chat about i was kind of maybe wanting to speak to you on the phone a bit more and have like mm. lots of deep conversations and it was kind of there wasn't but it might be kind of like half an hour here or 15 mm. minutes there or a call every month whereas like now we've kind of got this structured time that we're both yeah. accountable to that's kind of deep and meaningful and kind of in line with our values and shared values as well yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of like a sense of like creative cooperation like i know you're going to rock up on time i know yeah. like when we've cancelled before it's kind of for a genuine reason like you know for health or because mm. you're totally overtired or you're you know worried about a conflicting priority and vice versa like yeah yeah there's that sense of trust like if you do cancel it's because 
it's because it's important and I, I respect you enough that I know that you're choosing a value that's of higher importance to you at that yeah, point in yeah. time. Without, without, and this is the important part about like the security. Yeah. No strange using myself as an example, but like, I guess I'm secure enough that I don't take that like personally. I kind of trust yeah. that you're, there's that inbuilt trust there that you're, you're able to make your own decisions and you're able to kind of yeah. choose higher values for you. Yeah. Right, right. That you trust yeah. that I'm perhaps, um, when you say cancelling, renegotiating because of, um, yeah. because of something <laughs> yeah, that's important to me and that you kind of trust yeah. that I would do that for a particular value that, you know, it's, it's not just flaking. And, um, and, and that's a good point as well. The, if, if either of us were to postpone this, we would offer other dates. Right. And I can do it this time at this time. Like I, I've yeah. had that before where sort of people cancel something and then just, it's like, well, I, I guess I could respond to say like, when else are you free? But like, if you're the one cancelling and you're not offering any other times, it's like, I, I'm It's kind of sending the message you don't want to do it, which is fine, but just say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try and always come back with three other times. That's my, <laughs> that's my rule. Yeah. 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 Okay, I, um, that's what about win-win uh, thinking win-win what, what what did you make of that um, the, I, as, the more I read it the yeah. more I liked it but as a it was one of the harder habits to kind of get my head around which sounds funny but I guess it's sort of it's not a it's not a usual way of, of thinking for like a lot of people so it's for me, it's a bit about like not kind of going into situations like competitively or mm-hmm. trying to see what like you can get out of it entirely. It's about like yeah. really trying to take into account like what would be considered a win for the other person. Yeah. Whereas sometimes like I would often feel like quite happy to compromise or be flexible with other people and kind of expect that from other people too. Oh yeah, oh, that's a good point. So kind of yeah. you expect to lose sometimes, so you expect other people to lose sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's why kind of the, the concept of win-win seems like a, a far fetch in all situations. Yeah. But what he's saying is that like you can do this in all situations that it's like it's a mutual like proactive thing, right? And, mm. um, well, um it yeah. really reminds me of a lot of yeah. nonviolent communication and Marshall Rosenberg yes. saying like everyone's needs can get met. Um and maybe so- not by you or in the way you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you know you- <laughs> you might have needs for love, but it doesn't mean you can um, sort of expect one particular person specifically to give that to you, but because you can't you know, coerce them to, to love you. But, but in general, in life, your need for love can be met and, and everyone's can. It's possible. It doesn't necessarily happen, but it's possible. And um, yeah, thinking w- he talked about one of the first things Marshall Rosenberg said in that workshop we, we watched was like, so often, especially in um, romantic relationships, we're playing the game of who's right. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's just not a game you want to play. Like no one wins the game of who's right. Cause w- what do you end up? You, you prove your friend or your spouse wrong. Like who wins in that? You just have one bitter party and another yeah, yeah. feel self-righteous. It's like, um, so yeah, thinking win-win it's like, if you're really, um, wedded to a specific outcome, I guess it makes it hard to think win-win because whereas if you're just focused on your values and the other person's values, there might be 
many, many creative solutions in which you could both win and both live by your values. Um, but if you're attached to a specific goal, like, um, oh, I want to meet you at the gym at 7.30 tomorrow and so we can do a routine together or something. It's like, if that doesn't work for you, but I'm really wedded to that specific outcome, then I'm, I can only really lose. Whereas if I'm, I guess, just more connected to my values and principles that underlie why I'd like to go to the gym with a fr friend at a particular time. And if I tr like habit um, five, try and understand where you're coming from, then together we can come up with a creative solution that where hopefully we both win from that. Yeah, based on like feelings and needs as opposed yeah. to kind of, um, yeah, just wanting to be right. I, I think the hard, I think, yeah, so the, the hard part I find in this yeah. habit is that often, in my view, it requires people to be better or at least good at being able to like communicate what they want out of a certain situation. Yeah. And it, it, to me, obviously some circumstances like, I struggle to kind of articulate exactly what I want or the yeah. outcome I need. You know what he says, you know, yeah. kind of identifying the results are like acceptable to you and like being really mm -hmm. clear on like what the issues are and what like mm -hmm. an acceptable solution is and being able to see other po person's point of view and like creating new options from that. Um, mm. I, I think it requires a lot of, maybe a lot more of like habit five, like really being patient yeah. and trying to really tease out like what is it actually that the other person wants or needs? Because mm. it seems like, yeah, most arguments or disagreements probably just come from like being misunderstood. And if you could just understand each other, then you could find a way to yeah. meet each other's needs. But yeah. I guess that's my main, it's, it's not a concern. It's just something I picked up. They're just like, yeah, it's not as simple as being like, okay, tell me what you would consider a win and what's, what is the exact yeah. issue? What's the solution you're looking for? Like it can be a whole process. And I, it, it's whether this is um, transferable into all situations, which I believe it can be, but also like it's a time consuming and it requires um, a curious and non-judgmental ear and a whole heap yeah. of patience with some people in some situation. And it, yeah, yeah. So it kind of, if the other person perhaps is unaware of how they feel and therefore. I'll hear that later. <laughs> if the other person is, is to some degree unaware of how they feel or, yeah. and therefore what they need and then perhaps what they want, then like you say, how it's going to be very hard to negotiate with, with them. And I think Marshall Rosenberg was much more optimistic that you, you, so long as you have your giraffe ears on, you can still communicate with a jackal and work it out. Whereas yeah. I think sort of, he doesn't say this, but implied in this book is more like, I get the impression he's saying it will be hard to be this way with someone who was say still in the dependent end of the right. continuum. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of like once you, if you're two independent people, perhaps working towards in interdependence, then perhaps synergy could happen if you're if you both manage to have the skill mm. and think win-win. But I, I kind of got the impression he doesn't say it, but I kind of got the impression he's thinking more like like you were saying, if it's a situation where someone just isn't is like hell bent on their position, they're thinking win-lose, and they're not that in touch with what they need anyway, then. I'm not sure he's suggesting you could really work out a win-win scenario with, with someone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think as well, you know, in terms of being, um, you know, independent in the sense of being like secure and then there's kind of like the next stage on the, um, you know, interdependence means that like, to me, that means like you're willing to accept no matter what the other person says, kind of no matter what. And if, if that's kind of not communicated verbally or non-verbally, like, okay, we're going to have a discussion here. I'm looking for a win-win. Yeah. No matter what you say, like I, I accept you and I accept mm-hmm. your point of view. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be a fight. Yeah. Let's, let's proceed. Let's yeah. hold hands through this, you know, like yeah. then this feels like something that could glean a lot of good results. But as you say, um, he does also say that like no deal is an option it's okay that's like, that's really important yeah 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 win, win yeah. or no deal so so that i think that's your out right that if you're going in fully cooperative you're holding your values you're holding your principles of of um creative cooperation and the other person just isn't budging at some point you've got to hold up your boundary and be like well no deal like uh, there's nothing in this is going to work for either of us. So let's call it a day kind of thing. That's, that's okay. I, I think in that, that requires you to kind of only be willing to kind of uh, not leave, but like um, succeed in the situation if yeah. they win. Like you've got to really be like, okay, I, you could be like, oh, I'm winning here. I've got what I want from the situation, but that's, that's still not good enough. That's not good enough for me. I like, I need you to know uh, that you've won too. Like, <laughs> yeah, become yeah. like it's almost like you've got to be willing to give up your win yeah 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 i hadn't thought of it that way around yeah and uh, and just no <laughs> deal you know it's um that's yeah, um that uh, there was a point in the nonviolent communication workshop where he said be careful of um yes saying jackals so this is a people pleasing mm-hmm. right so um you know you might be in a relationship and you say uh ah. Uh, uh, I feel I really feel like watching this film tonight. Do you want to watch that? And the other person's like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. you could just take that win, <laughs> but like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's do that then. <laughs> but like, uh, there's you, you, perhaps if you Great know the example. person, you can tell it's not really a win for them, and because maybe they have some people pleasing traits, it's hard for them to say no or to really share what they do want. So for you to be like, I'm not sure that yes came from a really a yes place um perhaps we can talk about what you would like to do as well i don't, I don't want to just impose this on you but yeah that's yeah. I, I hadn't thought about sometimes taking win-win or no deal means sacrificing your own win <laughs> your own win yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. And i think um yeah that, that only just came to me as well so i'm glad we, we talked that one out <laughs> yeah and i think in the long run of a relationship it's definitely worth that right like too many times where um you just win. You might win the battle, but I don't want to compare a relationship to a war, but I have now, but you're going to lose the war <laughs> if, if, you, yeah. um, if you take too many of those wins, if the other person's losing, right? You don't want a yeah. partner or a friend who's always losing. So, Yeah. It's kind of like sometimes it's just whether like sometimes a win might just be like, well, actually I'm just done with this situation now. So a yeah. no deal is a no deal is actually kind of a win in a way. It's like, well, actually I'd rather this just not go any further, whatever yeah. that thing is than to like carry on with yeah. that. Cause I, I know <clears throat> you're going to hate me for it mm. or I'll hate you for it or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, oh. So we're getting yeah. there. So, yeah, so yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. there's a lot going on. Yes. Yeah, so. Habit six was the one I've 
I always struggled with the most. I always struggled to like remember what it meant compared to the others and it didn't stick my mind as well. And I think I've got there now, but it's called Synergize and it's about the idea of creative cooperation. And we've discussed a lot of it really in talking about win-win, but it's like if two people are in a win-win place, they're understanding each other, um, then then new things can grow from that that are greater than the sum of their parts. Like stuff can come from that... Um, relating from a place of understanding thinking win-win and teamwork cooperation which no one person would have been able to do by themselves and or they would have been individuals Mm -hmm. and when you take the option of lose out um that then like new scripts can emerge new things can emerge the the moment you kind of remove in your relationship no matter what that relationship is like you remove the option for failure it's like okay we are going to win here like we're gonna mm. come, come together and then new things can emerge from that yeah, yeah. and i think um we, you touched on it earlier but the example i would use for that is this project right like we i've read books i wouldn't have read if we hadn't have done this and vice versa and like i sort of i don't know we, we we trust that we recommend books to each other that we think the other person would actually like and we trust that mm. the other person is doing that for us and um mm. again if i went to a riff for well, however long we've been doing this hour and a half about this book <laughs> on my own, <laughs> like mm. nowhere near as many of these ideas would come up and flow or anything in the way they have by just bouncing them off each other. Um, mm. So I, I like this project as I think a good example of that synergistic cooperative creation. Agreed. Yeah. Kind of having a, like a shared vision that we've kind of gone back to and reflected on. I know in like yeah. early early episodes we'd kind of be like oh had you like we would just like tell each other like oh that's not quite what i had in mind or we're yeah, being yeah. too we're being too um robotic and systematic we yeah, can maybe yeah. bring a bit more flow and then there's other ones we were like oh maybe it was a bit too flow and we lost track of the point and mm. it, you know like it, it's an open discussion and we're kind of like reflecting what's like authentically within us like mm. i i feel that this isn't what i had in mind or you know mm, yeah 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 and sharing i would like it to go more in this direction what do you think yeah yeah and we've kind of also got opportunities to kind of like course correct as we're as we're doing it you know it's kind of a an mm. ongoing thing we can work on which is quite nice there's kind of a understanding that this is all will always be a work in progress mm. you know like yeah. Gradually, <laughs> yeah gradually gradually bit by bit yeah when we've done the thousandth episode when we're 60 years old <laughs> we might take a break <laughs> yeah. that, um i've uh, i've i've got more and enjoyed talking about those second three habits habits four five and six more than i thought i might going into it so i feel Agreed. good yeah. what we yeah. talked about <laughs> yeah 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 um be nice to um kind of finish on the last habit i think yeah yeah um Know, sharpen the saw you know the the principle of balanced self-renewal um i think some areas he spoke about um with a bit more expertise than others um for sure like i think when you're speaking about like physical exercise i kind of it's a little <laughs> bit a little bit brief but other than that no, i really like he yeah. brought in um you know he's saying basically he's just saying you know kind of like we as much as we've kind of like would have worked on all these different habits and yeah. um, you know, developed these areas of our life, like it is important to like take time away to, to sharpen the saw in like the areas of like, um, you know, your physical life, yeah. 
um, which would be, you know, exercise, nutrition, stress management, which someone else um, he quoted referred to as like your tone, um, which I quite liked. Um, then there's like your social, emotional, which is, you know, things around like um, service, empathy, like your intrinsic security in relation to other people and otherwise referred to as like your your connections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like the um, sharpening sort of like your spiritual life, which is you know, kind of like clarifying your values, making sure that, you know, you're kind of, you're reading and meditating and going into nature and connecting mm. and um, keeping that perspective, which I really like. This was definitely my favorite one, you know. So he talks about, you know, working on the spiritual side is a way of like, yeah, how do I like, tap into my energies and my inner strength and kind of feel mm-hmm. settled in my soul, which he, he says. <laughs> oh, like, um, and then there's like, yeah, the mental side of it, which is, you know, reading, visualizing, planning, writing, mm-hmm. learning, yeah, um, yeah, which he refers to as autonomy. So I like that. I think it's a good thing to keep in mind. And it's something, um, I suppose a lot of this, I try and integrate into kind of daily like daily habits and things I do every day. So, you know, in regards to like, you know, regularly meditating or doing like weekly reviews, making sure I'm setting aside time to read and learn and be focused on kind of what I'm doing. And also, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting perspective and things like that, you know, finding time to have like, yeah, regular reflections. Like, am I living in line with my values? Am yeah. I, um, is there like balance that's been achieved in my life? Am I kind of going too heavy on one, one center? or another mm. um it you know it's kind of relatively simple in some ways but it's mm. a useful reminder to kind of hold when you're reflecting on all these habits as one yeah yeah it's, it's i sum it up as like look after yourself basically you know get, yeah, enough, yeah. get enough sleep eat right yeah. <laughs> exercise yeah. look after your body um yeah learn um I, it, yeah things just you know if you're constantly pushing to be an effective person you, you could easily wear yourself out and it's important to um take holidays have fun learn things whatever spiritual practice you have meditate enjoy nature um yeah just look after yourself i think it, you could write you know it, many books on many of the different aspects and he just sort of gives like you uh, like you just summed up nicely a kind of overview of the physical, the mental, the social, emotional, and the spiritual. Um, yeah, they're the bits I got from it. Like they were the kind yeah. of the standout parts. But yeah, finding yeah finding time to keep perspective and making sure your body's like in check and stuff. And these are the things he's referring to. Like that you can, if you ignore these things, then well, to, to me, it's like in ten years' time, you could just have forgotten about mm. any of that, and you haven't like looked after your body, or you've kind of lost your vision. Mm. You know, you haven't like planned anything. You're just living on a whim, and kind of you haven't you know clarified any of your values and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a yeah things to keep on top of. And the, um, at the start of the book, he talks about the Aesop's fable of the goose and the golden egg, where this uh, this farmer finds that his goose had laid this golden egg, and he's like, "Oh, I can make lots of money off this." goes out the next day and finds out, oh my God, it's laid another golden egg. And eventually he gets used to this goose laying golden eggs and he's kind of, he gets to the point where he's just itching for it to lay and he's just watching it. <laughs> he's like, come on, when's the next golden egg coming? And eventually he gets so impatient that he cuts, tries to cut it out, um, cut the goose open to cut the egg out and ends up killing the goose and now he gets no more golden eggs. Mm. And um, kind of uses that fable as a theme throughout the book, you know, to 
make sure you look after your goose if it's gonna, <laughs> if you're, yeah. you're, you're the goose producing the golden eggs and it's all well producing golden eggs but make sure that goose is uh nice and healthy and looked after yeah well, that's your uh, what he refers to as your your production capability right you know, <laughs> get your ppc your... balance right that's right that's right yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's a good remark i think it's um it's actually really really important to keep in check because i think in you know especially if you're kind of you know you're driven and there's a lot you want to achieve and you're kind of putting all these things in place like you can easily um you know burn yourself out that can really affect your motivation your attitude your outlook your perspective you know this is it's not just about kind of you know rest necessarily it's about kind of like re-energizing yourself and re-motivating yourself like how can i continue to you know recharge my passion for the work i do and yeah, like yeah, that's a good way recharge my energies for my friends and stuff it's not it's not always like just a personal thing as well it's like how w- what do i need to do so i can be like the best person for other people as well like mm. if, if i'm if i'm just tired and unhealthy i'm just gonna be irritable and shit at my job yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Know, you know or just like um it'll, it'll affect all my relationships and mm. that's that's not good so it's you know, making sure you're kind of keeping that in mind as well, that, you know, yeah. being the it, best per, for, for other people as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. And yeah, like you say, it's not just, it's not just about rest. It's, it can be like having fun. It can be reflected, like reading, reflecting on the values that are important to you. Um, kind of growing in the areas that help you look after yourself. So you can be, um, on form for yourself and as you just pointed out there on form for other people who might rely on mm. you or um mm. or at least get value from you being happy and healthy and around nice all right well that's a, that's a cast that's a cast yeah that's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a big one that's a big one um i think it's good that i think this is a bit of a seminal book in the self-help mm. Um, psychology, well-being field. So I think it's nice to have covered it properly, and um, yeah, a lot's yeah. kind of emerged from that that I didn't think would. So we've uh, we've allowed ourselves to kind of really deeply explore this. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed how it kind of tied in a lot of other books, but I imagine they kind of tied in stuff from this too. So I did. Yeah, um, yeah. It, I'm, I'm enjoying kind of as we're doing more and more, we're able to kind of bring our knowledge together. So maybe there's going to kind of be a a point where we've kind of, you know, gradually just kind of reflecting more and more like every 20 podcasts, we're just kind of getting a stronger idea of, you know, kind of, well, maybe getting answers to questions we've, we've kind of raised in the previous one. Like I know I'm certainly thinking a lot more about kind of that, you know, striving versus acceptance question I raised yeah. last time and how to, um, you know, balance conflicting values. You know, this, this really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. helped with that one in particular. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great in answering a few of those questions. Mm. yeah i feel the same way and that i I get a sense that in in the way we often draw upon previous books that we have associations to like um six pillars or getting things done or the habit uh, habits whatever we i imagine this one will continue to be like oh and that's like that one in the seven habits yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um cool so did you want to introduce next week's book uh, next time we're doing Radical Acceptance by Tara Brack. Yeah. 
<laughs> you just showed a blank page on a Kindle. Yeah, yeah, I thought that'd help. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, I was I was particularly interested in, in covering this one. I've heard her on a lot of um, different um, podcasts with some of my um, favorite meditation teachers, and I think she offers some pretty interesting insights into um, you know, uh, self acceptance and mm. self compassion, and um, yeah, the way we talk to ourselves and how, in particular, this could like you know facilitate. Um, you know, a kinder way of moving towards towards my goals. I, mm, I like that. Yeah. So you I kind of um, see it as filling in, like you just mentioned a, a moment ago, kind of answering questions that are still open. This feels like it's a gap into answering one of those questions for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, feeling a little bit, um, sometimes occasionally feeling like a bit overwhelmed by some of the content we read, but it's quite yeah. like, do these things like, pull your head in, get on with it, yeah. like set some goals. And it's sort of w- without kind of um, dropping back into something, you know, yet to read it, yet to explore it. But her content seems it'll be kind of a nice way to just sort of get some perspective, hold things lightly and kind of have a new mm. attitude about how, how to kind of treat myself when I pursue such habits. And such. I'm goals. glad you said that. And it, it's, it's yeah. reminded me because you, you've, you've touched on this a couple of points throughout the today's session, but like, these in discussing these we're talking about these habits like they're things to live by and strive for and that kind of like we should and it would be good to and almost as if we do but like i certainly don't live by these all the time i think they're no, great no, ideas no. but yeah. um i don't want to come across as if i like, like we've mastered this or anything this is like um you know, I'm sure I'm reactive all the time and I often think lose, <laughs> and that I don't synergize and um, yeah. I don't put first things first and I concentrate on the minutiae. Like I'm failing at, well, it's a strong word, but yeah, failing at these all the time. And that's okay. Like it's just a, mm. it's just a North star to try and name towards a bit, but yeah, yeah. It's, I like the idea that we're moving to this self-acceptance realm. Cause that'll help cover some of this. Like, well, how do you feel about yourself when you've read all these books and yeah, mm. you're, you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to be good for us to kind of, um, yeah, chuck a book in like this maybe every four or five. <laughs> bring us back down. Otherwise, we're just too relentless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, um, yeah, enjoyed that again, mate. And um, yeah, looking forward to the next one in a couple of weeks. Nice one. Good stuff. Cheers, See, mate. You, mate. See you then. Bye.